Welcome to the Talk, Talk That, that Talk, Talk podcast with your girl Tata Love, JC, and C. Jones. This show is about life, current events, hot topics, love, and everything else in between. We want you to spend time with us, laugh with us, and talk, talk that, that talk with us. us. Subscribe to our channel and follow us at The Real Talk That Talk on all social media platforms. Listening to Talk That Talk podcast. On today's podcast, we have a special guest, Crystal Hall, a licensed therapist, and we're talking mental health. All right, Talk That Talk. How was you guys this weekend? This weekend. Uh, my weekend was good. Didn't really, really do much. You know, I don't know if you guys know we we building a pool. I Are saw you? That. Yeah. Oh, saw good. Yeah, okay. We Congrats. Thought, yeah, it's been a long time coming. So you know, pool it's, party it's construction. So, you know, it's like I be I be out there licking it every day. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's like watching water boil. You know? When's it gonna be done? Hopefully midsummer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, the pool is dug out. Okay, it's dug out. We got the the plumbing done. We got the uh, electrical done. Mm. Yeah, we we ready to do the inspection, and then they can cover up the plumbing and, the and then spray it with the gunite. Yeah, so so we rolling. Let me know nice. when the pool party. I got oh, time to. Oh, I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> Summertime fine, right? I, I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna let you know. But other than that, man, it was a good good weekend. Starting to get get warm. You know. You Jeffrey. Um, my weekend was good. You know. Trying to be with family. I actually didn't work yesterday. Oh, okay. And uh, skipped out on today. <laughs> <laughs> I see you went to a white party. Oh, You guys yeah. looked hella cute. Everybody looked cute. A white so party? Cute. Where, where was uh, that? Uh, Miko's birthday. Oh, okay. Nobody. I still don't be getting no calls. Well, <laughs> we talked about this. I don't be yeah, getting no calls. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We still, need to, we still need to link that up. But my family's family right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You guys look cute, though. Everybody Thank was you. all in white, looking all cute. Thank I mean, you. it wasn't like the white party that we had back in the day. Oh, no. Court, no, it you know? wasn't. It oh, wasn't make him like feel that, better. but it was lit. <laughs> it, it was lit. It was yeah. lit. Yeah, we, maybe off camera, you know, or yeah. off of this, we can talk more about it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, went, it went well. He's over here trying to bring up old stuff so he can feel included. Man, I love man, it. Man, that was the days, though. Yeah, for real. It was it was really it was out by like Boondocks Mansion too, so you know. Oh word. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Boondocks Mansion? That was a like a right at a high school party, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh yeah, I think we were just maybe barely out of high school. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about it. Crazy. Crazy. Story for another time. Okay. Story Crazy times. Time. I know how you guys do. Young people. Yeah. Look, to be that young again. Yeah. Without a care in the world. Yeah. And we got a special guest with us, mm-hmm. Crystal Hall. Crystal, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. I actually worked today. So, Oof. but, uh, yeah. Do you work a full eight hours or four hours? A full eight hours. Ooh. Yeah. Thankfully, it's usually only every other weekend, but I got called to work today, so I got to work next weekend, too, but that's all right. Yeah. 
Yeah. We talked. We talked uh, last time about what did we talk about working the four tens? Yes. Yeah. And uh, we don't want to reopen that, but I mean that's. See, yeah. I wish prime yeah. example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She should be able to have a day off tomorrow, and that way that makes up for that time she had to work yesterday. I or do. Today. Thankfully. Uh, there okay. you go. Yeah. See, look at there. See? I, don't, I don't even want to get into our schedule that I have right now. <laughs> We're working seven tens. <laughs> she, but you're clocking that OT, baby. Oh, right. Man, yeah. my, 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 my job, you want me to work work seven tens, but they, they're nothing. like, hey, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah, that didn't change. Oh, Your yeah. check is going to be the same. So. Yeah, that is so. true. Salary. Yeah. Gotta, gotta love it. Yeah. So, Crystal. Can you give us a little background of um, what it is that you do yeah. and things of that nature? Yeah. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I have been licensed for almost seven years. And um, I primarily now work in acute psychiatric care. So I work in a hospital setting with individuals experiencing acute psychiatric crises. Um, but historically, I've worked with children, I've worked with families, I've worked with young adults, college age, um, at-risk youth. Um, so I kind of have a little um, plethora right. of, yeah. you know, experience in a few different, few different um, populations. What got you into that? Like, what made you want to become a therapist, will you say? Yeah. Okay. Um... <clears throat> You know, I was not sure what I wanted to do when I started school. I was in junior college. I took a break from junior college after experiencing a significant loss. And when I went back, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I just kind of started taking classes, and I found that all the extra classes I was taking that I didn't really need were psychology classes. Hmm. And so I ended up with... Um, an AA in psychology, transferred, got my BS in psychology. And um, at that time, I kind of knew I wanted to be a therapist, um, but I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to get there. I had a really good job at the time. Uh, I graduated <laughs> with a degree in psychology, and I basically, if I would have left and got a job, I would have been taking like a $10 an hour plus pay cut. And I was wow. like, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. oh, so it was kind of like, do I stick in the grocery industry with my bachelor's in psychology and never do anything, or do I find something that I'm passionate about? And it led me to um, studying marriage and family therapy. I'm at Sac State, and I got my master's of science in 2012. Nice. Um, worked for a while because, you know, before you can get licensed, you have to do all of these trainingships and mm-hmm. hours that you have to complete and work with certain populations and do certain things. And so it took me a little while, but I got licensed in 2015. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. what's up. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, Look, congrats. talk that talk. That's that's what's up. So I have a question. How does a therapist, because you're absorbing everybody's energy talking yeah. to them, how do a therapist relax from all of the different energies that they're taking in? Um, I think that some therapists are probably better at it than others, but it is a skill to learn how you might be in a situation and and absorb the energy, but you learn how to walk away from that situation and leave the energy. Mm. And 
And sometimes it means compartmentalizing a little bit, though it's not the greatest skill to have. It sometimes can be very helpful to be able to compartmentalize between different things, but you really do have to learn how to uh, leave things behind and not take them home. You know, I feel like that that's a, a skill that a lot of people need, you know, um, you know, I bring my work home sometimes, you know, might yell at the kids a little bit, you know, and I, I you know, you gotta, you gotta realize like, okay, you know, even, even in sports, you know, and I always, you know, talk about this with my brother, you know, he's coached, he's coached, um, you know, all my nephews and, you know, where's, where do you draw the line between being a coach and being a dad? You know, I'll see him sometimes, you know, he, the kid doesn't play the way you want him mm-hmm. to. And then the ride home is, is bad. You know, it, you know, you got kind of got to turn it off. It's the same thing. <laughs> right. He's still coaching. Mm-hmm. He's still coaching. So, yeah. So I could see how that could be um, a benefit to really learn that skill. And, and that's one of the things that you really do work on as you're progressing through your education, because you have to develop a keen sense of awareness for those things. And so, as you mentioned, your brother kind of, you know, taking the coach hat home in the car ride home, you know, he's really wrapped up in that moment and he's probably not that aware that he's taking that coach hat home. Right. You know, so you really, you learn and you learn to develop a keen sense of awareness about those things. So do you like dealing more so with the relationships aspect or the kids? aspect of the therapy so my passion is working with children um mainly children between the ages of three and 12 primarily um and so that brings along with it also working with parents you can't work with that age group and not work with a parent um, or a caregiver that's my passion eventually one day i'll return to that okay so in the hospitals what are you what age group for their acute? Yeah, so I actually oversee a crisis unit, and we deal with youth at, at all ages um, who are in a mental health crisis, and we also deal with adults of all ages who are in a mental health crisis. And so that looks like a parent bringing in a child who um, has been withdrawn, depressed, and might be making suicidal statements, mm-hmm. um, or a community member is being brought in by one of our um, law enforcement teams that is a law enforcement officer and a, and a licensed um, mental health professional who goes out and assesses in the community and mm-hmm. deem that this individual uh, might be a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or not able in the current moment to take care of their basic needs. Um, and so they would come in and we would provide support in stabilizing that crisis. And sometimes they discharge within a 24-hour period. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes we're seeking a longer stay for them in an an acute inpatient hospital. Um, And then as a supervisor, I also oversee, on days that I'm the administrator on duty, I oversee the acute inpatient hospital as well. So kind of run a little bit of both things depending on the day. Mm. Yeah. Did you guys see, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was a a young young lady from, I want to say it was a, a HBCU, and she uh, she died by suicide, and she left you know a long. Oh yes, long I note. did see that. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's just there's so much going on, you know, these days, and um, and your your job is paramount. It's you know mm-hmm. becoming ever so more important. And mm-hmm. I, I read somewhere that um, back in the '60s there were like a total of about 250 
you know, licensed marriage and family therapists in the, in the United States. Now it's like 50,000. So that industry has grown exponentially. And I got a couple more statistics here. Um, we're talking about divorce rate in 2022 is somewhere between, depending on the, the, the um, where you look, 41 to 44%. Um, the pandemic primarily has, has caused a spike of about 25% in anxiety and depression. Um, you know, and these things lead, you know, the depression could potentially lead to, you know, suicidal thoughts and, and other family issues. And so um, on the flip side of that, I also read American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. They state that after receiving treatment, 90% of, of the clients report improvement in overall emotional health and two thirds report or 66% report improvement in overall physical health. So if it's so effective, why, why aren't people going? Why aren't people booking therapists? Why, why aren't they, why aren't we doing this more often? You know, it's taboo in the, it used to be taboo in the black community, first mm-hmm. of all, yeah. to even see a third, what? They can't tell me something. I don't know those people, you know. Right. And more so I would say men than women, but I mean, you're the expert. So no, I'm gonna let you... it's very true. Um, there is still a huge stigma surrounding mental health and seeking help. Um, there's a not so much a perceived level of weakness, but you know that crosses people's mind. Like, why can't I figure this out on my own? I should be able to take care of it on my own. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to invite a stranger into my family and talk about my problems, mm-hmm. right? Because we need to figure this out as a family. Um, and so there's a pushback on reaching out for help, whether that's shame or guilt or denial that there's a problem. Um, but in general, there is still a really large stigma around seeking services. Mm-hmm. Um, and not I think to, not that to that's mention getting it, better. It, it could cost. Um, yeah. There could be some costs. It costs. You yeah. don't know if your health provider is going to actually cover it. Right. And then, like yeah. you said, I mean, a few years ago, no one's even really heard of this this being a solution. So right. mm-hmm. the ignorance of knowing, okay, one, we have a problem, and there's two, there's someone that can help solve this problem or at least mediate us figuring out what our yeah. problem is, you know. Yeah. Or where to go to get the help, though. Some yeah. people may not even know yeah. where to start if they have problems. You know, and there's a little bit of a double-edged sword going on right now because we are very blessed to have, you know, better coverage nowadays mm-hmm. for services and for mental health services, and that continues to improve, and that's wonderful. But... <laughs> There's also so much demand and not enough supply. I can't tell you, especially, unfortunately, for children and for teenagers. I can't tell you how many calls I get regularly. Can you recommend somebody? Do you know somebody who's working with children? Do you know somebody who's working with teenagers? I have an 11-year-old, and they're suicidal, and, you know, all of these other programs are for 13 years and older, and, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we get help? And... It is heartbreaking to see that there are so many providers out there and available, but there is still such a shortage of services available to meet the need. Yeah, I remember I wanted to get a therapist for my nephew, and not that he thought he needed it. I I thought he needed it because his 
his parents are were not around per, mm-hmm. are not around per se. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for a black male therapist. Mm-hmm. And that is like whoa. I had almost had to go like to a bay area to find that. Yes. Yeah. Um finding therapists of color is is and can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. I have been fortunate enough to work with so many wonderful therapists, social workers along the way from so many different backgrounds, whether it's race, ethnicity, religion. Um, but it is. There is a shortage no matter no matter what. Um, there is a shortage of individuals of color within the community of therapists. And that is improving, too. And so that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. um, and even a lot of providers are really seeking out so that they can provide culturally sensitive and culturally aware services to the communities that mm-hmm. they serve. Um, but those challenges still exist within this profession. I'm, I'm wondering, is it, um, is it on the government's radar to, to step in? Because I know a few years back there was a, there was a shortage of uh, physicians mm-hmm. and they were doing like Riverside, for instance, UC Riverside was like, Hey, we will pay for your medical school, but you got to practice um, in the Riverside area. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, you know, literally trying to get people into the field and to practice um, medicine in that area. And I'm wondering, you know, if, the, if, if, uh, and I understand, you know, the pandemic is hopefully knock on wood, you know, subsided uh, to, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> but uh and, and you know maybe we we can turn the corner on you know some of the anxiety and depression, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the root is. We don't know what the real root is. You know, the, the real, social media is it social? I would bullying? say the, the real root, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. That you probably saw the numbers go crazy is when COVID hit and everything shuts down and nobody has means of living. You have no means of living because everything's shutting down. You, some people are fired. They have no job. You have to stay in the house with a bunch of, if you got kids, you got to stay in the house mm-hmm. with your kids. If you got a husband or wife, you got to stay in the house with these people. <laughs> and you're used to, you know, being in passing with your family. Yeah. You spend more time with the people at work than you do your family in the yeah. house. So now During you're stuck your here. Hours. Yeah. And so that is the root where you really can see where people just started going crazy. Right. And. And I say that in a <laughs> fiction, yeah, I, I got you. loosely, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, already going no crazy. pun intended. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. said what? People were already going crazy. I mean, I'm not sure. I hear what you're saying, but. Crazy or were they just. Yeah. When I say crazy, I mean in. I mean, we talked about divorce rates. They were still high. Yeah. They're not I mean, as high as like, they are now. Mm, I think they've. Pretty, <laughs> right? I think it's pretty flat. I don't. I don't know. I think it's been flat for I mean, a while. We still have mass shootings. Yeah. You know, we still have suicides. Like none yeah. of the, it's not like we have new problems. Yeah, no. the um, not mi- new, minimum wage is still new. still non livable. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and inflation is going crazy. I mean, is that is that specific to the pandemic? Maybe a little bit, Maybe but a lot of it's all tied yeah. together. They yeah. said minimum wage is going up. Guess what's going to happen with inflation? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. And it's just yeah, it's just driving people off the deep end. Mm-hmm. You know, you trying to 
imagine trying to go to sleep at night, trying to figure out how, how I'm going to eat tomorrow, how my kids are going to eat, how I'm going to pay the electric bill, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I could see how that could drive people and, crazy. And I know this comment is kind of off topic, but like the homeless problem. Like I think we all noticed the homeless problem because they all have tents now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there was a huge homeless problem before mm-hmm. the pandemic was here. It's just now that they all have, you know, bigger, more stuff than we have, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's, we start to see, like, oh, look at look at that yeah. camp over there. Like, we notice it. I think they're a lot more noticeable. But I feel like it's point. more in your face now. Yeah. And I think a lot un- of problems, unfortunately, yeah. with that, it's almost like it took it being in your, not in your face, but in people's face, in our community's Society's, face, yeah. in society's face to say like, oh, this is a big problem a when problem. you're right. It's been a big problem for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I like back to my point around, you know, who's going to get involved? I mean, it's like task force time. Like there needs to be a committee and some some dollars thrown towards these things because, um, you know, if we keep doing this the way we're doing at this pace, you know, where families can't find therapists and you can't seek the help that you you need and so on and so forth. I mean, we're we're gonna be in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be in a really bad spot. Well, do you think that? Um, I think that the government may get paid for the homeless. There has to be some type of initiative that keeps them from wanting to help that problem. It has to be something in that sort. Some type of federally funded thing. Well, I can tell you from a general perspective of understanding probably more that goes on um, in the county system of care is counties are responsible themselves and not necessarily statewide. And so counties themselves are responsible for enacting initiatives, putting together programs, offering supportive services, developing and finding housing funds, and all of those kinds of things. Um, and I'm very confident that most counties, especially Sacramento County, with as large as it is, does have task force, does have actual specific mental health providers that work with the homeless population. Um, new funding going into um, providing services for the homeless population. And that's not just mental health services. That service is kind of across the board. Um, and I don't want to say this in a general position, but unfortunately there are individuals who just really have a difficult time receiving that help. You know, they're very used to living on the streets. They're very used to not living within society's norms. They're very used to not following rules. They're very used to not having to live a certain way because they have the freedom to live the way they want to live. Um, and then you have a subsect, a subsect of those individuals who are dealing with such severe mental illness that they really struggle in benefiting from those services because even if a mental health provider pays their rent – to live in a home, they're more comfortable on the streets. And so there's this wow. level of deep rehabilitation that has to occur. Um, and so it's I think it's getting there. I think those supportive services are getting there. Um, you know, but, you know, we're still having a large problem with it. Um, it's not it's not fixed yet. And I don't know that it will ever be fixed. But if we can make it better 
then I think we've done a good job at working toward um, helping that population and so are you them. so um, are you saying or maybe you weren't saying this at all but <laughs> not, not not necessarily a, a federal problem or state problem it's more of a local the government so the county yeah. or at Counties, the county level yeah at the county level they expect it to be done okay so mm-hmm. like that I heard someone in the bar the other day and he was basically speaking on how he doesn't like the federal government overstepping because I don't know what Minnesota needs. Like right. a lot of stuff needs to be done on the local level and does get, ha- you know, it happens on the local level. Right. I wasn't sure what he was talking about, but you know, no, it makes sense. Yes. The, the, the ve- things are very different mm-hmm. in in these places. Um, you know, for instance, I mean, yeah, the Bay area, I mean, it's a, a big homeless population uh, might not be the same in Salt Lake city, Utah. You know, um, or at least their concerns might be different. Concerns might be mm-hmm. different, yeah. right? right. It takes different, how different it's dollars. How it's going to get handled? How right. it gets, yeah. The yeah. funds get disseminated. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, w- what other issues, Crystal, do you see um, that that kind of go along with those the fi- family dynamics? Um, I've I've read some things about like, alcoholism. Um, drugs, drugs yeah. you know, yeah. parents and children just like clashing. I mean, you see in those type of things. Absolutely. And- substance abuse has definitely increased substantially since the pandemic. I mean, substance abuse issues, drug abuse and alcohol abuse um, have been around for a long time. But I can tell you that there has been an increase in numbers. The good thing is that there's an increase in numbers of people seeking support, too. Um, and so, you know, potentially coming to terms with, you know, I started drinking too much during this pandemic and I've got to, you know, I've got to rein this and I've got to finally get help for it. Um, but yes, absolutely. And then could you, can you imagine going from, from parenting your child, getting them up for school, sending them to school, going to work, coming home, making dinner, having, you know, a couple of hours of family time, going to bed and starting that routine all over again and then having two days on the weekends where you get to do fun stuff with your kids that's 48 hours let's be clear (laughs) two days is 48 hours just to be clear and then all of a sudden you are in your home and for some people you know that's a family of four in a one-bedroom two-bedroom apartment um and even more so sometimes that's two families living in a home together and now all of you are there big mama Mm -hmm. living with you too yeah and all of you are there, and all of you are, you know, dealing with this national fear that has just wiped our country, mm-hmm. terrified of going to the store or getting sick because many people were convinced that if they got sick, they were going to die. Many people were convinced that if there wasn't enough respirators in the country that you were going to die if you got sick. And so there was a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of fear that drove a lot of people to develop increased levels of anxiety, not wanting to go to the grocery store, becoming more withdrawn, you know, utilizing maladaptive coping skills like drinking. Um, And then on top of that, you have your own family dynamics to deal with and you know everyone's got their own unique family dynamics yep. so. i got a three-year-old 
<laughs> that right there. I mean, that's a dynamic in it of itself. Yes. You know. I, I also, um, t- to go back to what you were saying about the drugs and, and all of this, how does one um, who dibbled and dabbled in the drug scene or world, how can they get help, though? Do mm-hmm. they just go to any hospital and say, I want to be helped? Or do they have to see their primary care or something? Well, what if they don't have an unemployed? Right. So, um, Medicaid. <laughs> yeah. So, essentially, if somebody has health insurance, um, usually there is information on their health card that tells them how to get mental health services or health, tells them how to get substance use services. They would call that member line. They would say, I need help. What do I do? And somebody, a qualified, I don't know that they would be licensed, but a qualified individual would get on the phone and they would probably ask them some questions. Now, one thing that is important to remember, just like medical treatment, mental health treatment also has to meet some qualification of like medical necessity. Um, So in order to receive certain services like residential services, you need to meet some level of qualification, right? So if... I'm a 35-year-old male, and I'm drinking every day. I'm drinking, you know, a fifth every day. Turn up. And um, I can't stop drinking because I start sweating and I, I start shaking. Um, so I'm, I'm having withdrawal symptoms if I'm not drinking every day. And I c- call my insurance, and I say, this is what's going on. They're going to send me to a residential facility to detox. Because an individual who is detoxing from alcohol can literally die during the detox wow. Um, wow. time. And and honestly, that's really the most dangerous drug and substance to detox from. Really? It is. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. So somebody in that situation, they would meet medical necessity to go directly into an inpatient level of care, detox, get inpatient services, and then hopefully the goal is step down into lower levels of substance use treatment. Unfortunately, sometimes people get in there, they get clean, they do they do this program for a week or two, maybe even sometimes 30 days, and then they're like, I'm good. And they go right back to the environment, you know, with a small a small tool bag, you know, to use when they go home, but no other supports, right? Mm-hmm. So their best friend still wants to drink and, you know, maybe their wife drinks occasionally and there's alcohol in the house and so you know, really, that person needs to identify their triggers, and and anybody who's recovering from substances has to really look at their life and know what they need to cut out and what they need to keep in order to keep their sobriety. Now, if you don't have insurance, most counties, through their Medi-Cal or Medicaid program, have substance use services, and Sacramento County does have very in-depth, multi-level systems of care for alcohol and drug abuse. They offer residential, transitional living, inpatient services, outpatient services, um, sober living environments. So all of these are services that anybody in the community who is not employed or who is is struggling financially, um, doesn't have private insurance, does qualify for Medicaid, they can have access to these services at no cost. that's, That's good information. Yeah. It is. So my other question now is to let's talk about this anxiety thing, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not saying thing like it's a little thing. It's a big thing. What are the numbers? And just roughly, you probably don't know, just a guesstimated numbers. Have you seen the anxiety levels for people go up, mainly children, with social media? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. How long has social media been around? Hmm. Twitter's been around, what, since 08? MySpace? MySpace. Yeah. That goes back to it. I think Twitter Twitter started that that boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Now, 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 now. You know what I mean? Saying everything. Yeah, everything got quicker. Yeah. So okay, but, so you know, because we had Black Planet before MySpace. I was I mean, about to say Black Planet. It was all kind of little chat rooms, and, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's different with Twitter and Email. all. What well, is it? But but is it? So it's the social media is there, but is this? It's the device that, that brings it. So. But if we had to get it from your computer, right. you wouldn't be on it all the time. Yeah, it can't be in front of you. Yeah, it's right. couldn't be. It's moving so quick now. I, I feel it, was, like. it was probably also easier for parents to regulate that on a computer mm-hmm. than yeah. it is to kind of regulate it on a phone. Um, we have parental controls and things like that. But, I mean, kids are savvy nowadays. Yeah, they're better they than are. you at the yes. computers and, te- and the phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the little kid yeah. who ordered 31 cheeseburgers the other day. Yeah. yeah, he was like two years old. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell you from a therapist perspective, but I can tell you from a personal perspective as a therapist that I do not believe in children having a cell phone at no age. At what age? What's a chill? Yeah, well, what's the I age? mean, I would say potentially maybe considering it at thirteen. Wow, teenager. I feel like R. Kelly. <laughs> hey, so what do you? <laughs> hey, but, but real talk, I'm not there yet. But that's how I feel. Like, 13. I really do feel like that. Hold on, though. What about 10? 10? Well, and, and I say 10. I just want to go higher than 13. No, no. I say, I'm with you on that one personally. Wait, yes. hold what on, though. Y'all going to get me in trouble. <laughs> hold on. Let's think about it, though. 10 years old, because more, they're going into, what, fifth, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're doing a lot of sports. They're mm-hmm. moving around. And so... No, you shaking your head. Yeah. No, still no. Well, we can wow. get back well, see, to a good old page. Right. Then. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, my daughter is seven, and I'm I'm stumbling because she's seven. She's seven. She has she has a device. Throwaway phones. She, yeah, she has a device that was sitting so she can do stuff on it. But I, and this is this is a kind of right on time because this weekend, like I, every time I looked up, she was she was on it. She's playing a game. And I'm like, hey, can you, you know? Meanwhile, my three year old's driving me crazy. He's on my neck. I'm like, hey, can you play? And she, and she on play? Her she's game. like, yeah, she, she's on it. Pretty um, innocent, though, but. Yeah, yeah very, 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 very innocent. And I have it all linked to my phone. So if she wants to download a new game, it comes to me. If she wants to get on the Wi Fi, it comes to me. So I know exactly what she's doing. I mm-hmm. could shut her, shut her down right anytime. She doesn't have a SIM card, so she can't walk out of the house and be on it unless I let her on my. Um, plants but um to tanya's point there are some times like coming to pick her up from school maybe running a couple minutes late mm-hmm. um you know she goes to like an extended care but you know there are some use cases that i see like oh i wish i could just call her right now and you know make arrangements mm-hmm. but um i think generally speaking you're probably right um you know, may, maybe we need to push it back a little bit. 
the, the good and bad of the internet is why we're here though like there's a lot of good in the internet mm-hmm. but but there's just probably more bad more bad yeah it's just like it's crazy me, we were just speaking with me and my boy like yeah the internet yeah. is out of hand i mean it's nothing you can do about it because you can't you know close pandora's box right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh right yeah. but you know it's we here can. there's we nothing can. we could do but yeah, yeah i mean I mean, and there are devices now nowadays, in all fairness, that have very limited capacity where, like, you know, a child would only be able to receive or send messages to, like, their parents, right. right? So in those situations where, like, man, I wish I could just let them know, like, I'm just running a few minutes late, like, I'm on my yeah. way. Right. I'm on my way. Don't worry. I'm going right. to be there. Or meet, meet me over by the, you know, the other right. side of the parking lot, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know, understandable. Um, but I can't tell you how many times in working with youth that social media access to the unlimited access to the internet and things was just so problematic and created so many challenges for the children um, and the teenagers that I was working with. What in, <laughs> and adults for that. Yeah. What specifically was the trigger for a lot of them though? Um, Cyberbullying. Yeah, okay. I was going to say bullying, I think. Um, pressure to share explicit photos mm. or explicit yeah. photos or or seeing probably seeing how people are and they're like hold on i look nothing like this yet yeah mm. and yes yeah. unreasonable and unrealistic yeah. expectations yes, of exactly. themselves That's based upon you know the perceived notion of who somebody is when that's really not the case right. it's not really what life looks like you know someone's showing one side of you know who they are the life that they live and I do think that youth of today have developed these very unreasonable, unrealistic expectations. Agreed. Um, partly because of what they see on social media. Mm-hmm. So how does one TV? Right. How does the, one the first one? The first you know, TV has always been like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> TV, yeah. But Shaping they us. don't even watch that much TV now. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but that's because they have, you know, constant you know yeah. other things to watch that mm-hmm. are moving at a faster clip but and, and to be clear with my, my situation <laughs> my, my daughter doesn't have social media and i don't plan to let her have social media anytime soon right. but she does have the phone where she can yeah. play games yeah. and text message her family members if need be and facetime us why not uh ipad to do games? she has uh, an ipad too i mean it sits in my it's in my car, but you know, she uses the iPad when we're watching TV in the car for on, you know, picking up the kids. But, uh, yeah. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and share with your friends.